Mage Talk is brought to you by Mojo Stratus. Stratus is true cloud auto scaling technology for Magento. Built by industry leaders and cloud architects, Stratus is a revolution in cloud hosting. Magento 2, no problem. Holidays, flash sales, no problem. 100% uptime or your money back. Give Stratus a try today, risk free, and tell them Mage Talk sent you. Check them out today at magemojo.com. That's M A G E M O J O.com. Mage Talk is brought to you by Vertex, the leader of tax technology solutions and services for corporations worldwide. They're a Magento premier partner trusted by over half of the Fortune 500. Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes. Visit them online today at vertexsmb.com. This podcast is brought to you by Commerce Hero. Better way to find a Magento developer for your next project or full-time hire. We're live on YouTube. We're power posing. Nice. I want you to join us for a guided meditation and a three-minute power pose. <laughs> that's, that's what we do. This is, how, this is how we're empowering the Magento community. This is the new mental health component of the podcast. This is... Um, uh, if you are not power posing for three minutes every day, you need to start today. Yeah, you're missing out. Your day. Make today start. your day for power pose. Start power posing. Why do you have that sweet light in the background and it's never on? Is oh, that, you want it on? It, yeah, it's like so sweet looking. Ooh, look at it's that. It's a thing. It's, it's very bright. That's why it's not on. <laughs> but is it meant to be a background light or is it? It's meant, it, it, I'll ask my wife because she's the one who decorated my office. And I'm not sure exactly. Okay. What, it looks like it's supposed to be a background light. Uh, you know, you know, you know how we do. You know how we do. Joseph Leedy. I, I, I feeling empowered. You feeling empowered in the chat, Joseph? He's I'm feeling. Calm the live chat stuff down. What's up, man? Uh, yeah, we're we're, we're warming up. Speaking of warming up, uh, I have a cheese Danish pastry thing, a Cuban cheese pastry. Have you ever had one of these things? Dude, that looks delicious. Is that a cheese Danish? Yeah. Empowerment and empanadas. That's our new podcast. Wow. I can't believe they let you eat that. Your Mm. personal trainers on your triathlon training regimen. Yeah. You know me. Well, I'm biking to work 25 miles round trip. So... I officially eat better than you do at this point. I think you... No, I know that. Unequivocally, that's true. You definitely... I don't touch the pastries. You don't touch them. You don't even look at them. You don't even look at them. You don't even look at them. I do have uh, Coke Zero, though. So that that might... Zero calorie, but it might cancel out all of my credits to yeah. eating healthy. Like I, I, I'm, I'm really into clean eating, except for all of that cancerous garbage I dump into my body. <laughs> I have like three large Coke Zeros every day. <laughs> um, three large Coke Zeros. Show title. Show title. Yeah. Hmm. That could be. A show what were you saying? You were saying before we went live, humming makes you sing better or makes your voice better. It makes you talk better. It makes so if you um, if you it's like a speaking trick um, that if you hum that it puts your voice. You know how sometimes when you talk, 
it comes out nice and smooth. Oh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's just like, hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> it just is kind of awkward. <laughs> like, like humming for some reason puts you into that ideal tonal range for some reason. Hmm. Oh, go figure. Do uh, any of your kids walk around humming all the time? Um, <laughs> they sing a fair bit. Yeah, they sing pretty much almost all the time. Sing and or hum. Juliet was humming for like three hours straight yesterday. <laughs> so basically, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's my um, my youngest, Pierce. She does that. She just hums nonstop. Nonstop, all day long. Just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what are you singing? She goes, how great thou art. I'm like, it don't uh, go like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's adorable. It's adorable. Yeah, she's amazing. Congratulations, uh, Joseph's in the chat. He says he's now a certified associate dev. He's got his M2 nice. uh, certified associates. Very nice. That's not... For it being sort of the foray or the entryway into the uh, Magento 2 ecosystem of assessment tests or proficiency tests, certification, quizzes, exams, if you will. <laughs> What exactly you were talking about? Your qualification courses. Uh, it's not an easy test. Yeah. Yeah. We we have a program. I think we had. I've talked about this many times on the show, uh, but we have a program that we've worked on for years now at Something Digital to take new hires and make them. Uh, you know, take them from no knowledge of Magento and take them into a certified developer exam in a short period of time. So we, we were actually extending that down to what our jumpstart program is, which is new hires out of college. So people who are straight out of college into the workforce never have had a professional job before. So we have a mentor-mentee program. And um, it's my first year being a mentor. And my, uh, my mentee... Uh, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Why is it your first year being a mentor? That makes no sense. So, yeah. So part of the thing is that all of our new hires... So we don't hire remote for first job out of college sort of positions. Those, those junior roles really require the in-office you know, in experience. Okay. So they're all in New York. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. The idea is that they would grow here into our West Palm office once we have uh, a critical mass of the tech lead role that but we sense. don't have a lot of our tech leads are actually remote these days which makes that even more difficult um, okay. so just you know it doesn't mean that they have to be someone in your job role to be a mentor but it helps to have that person in person um, but oh. I, I expressed that I wanted to do a mentorship you know regardless if it was someone here that's great if it's someone in New York and we do it remote that's great too um, but I'd love to exercise that muscle and so this is our first year of trying that my first year of trying it and um, it's working out really, really well. He actually, he's eight weeks on the job, I think now. And he just took his certified associate exam. And Bradley, unfortunately, he, he failed as he probably should with eight weeks. So <laughs> I would be concerned if he, if he had passed the exam. If he yeah. passed it, it'd be like, hey, so, uh, so... Hey, guys, you know this exactly test that we like to say that we helped create? It's a little too easy. Yeah. yeah I got to do this thing again. Is I don't know what this is. I'm going to ask TJ why this thing goes out of focus. Have you guys um, 
have you guys considered like do you guys ever have you guys considered talking about how you structure that program mm-hmm. at, like a conference talk or writing anything about it? I think a lot of I think everybody has some it's it's kind of like accelerators like every agency has some version of that but I think some are probably more well developed than others and I think that people in the community could learn a lot from others that have that you know maybe their program is a little more well developed I, I'm not making any promises whatsoever, but we have had conversations in the past about just kind of open sourcing this whole project. And uh, I'm fascinated with, uh, you know, a good portion of this is not really like from a mentorship perspective. It's really just processes like they journal every day. We want to know you know, so power this, poses. This, yeah, power poses. They do power three minute poses. power poses you know, before they come to work. They're just coming up. They're right. like, yeah, you know, <laughs> do like a magento logo power pose. Yeah, they're like this. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> so we have them. Yeah, we have them. Um, we want sort of honest and critical feedback so that we can make the process better. I cannot deal with this thing being out of focus all the time. Uh, so we can make the the whole you know, the whole program better over time and them journaling their experience while it's happening rather than having a survey at the end over eight weeks is uh, proving to be very, very valuable. And you don't need to have a GitHub repo to tell people that maybe your new hires should just be giving you feedback every day on how they feel and how mm-hmm. you know, what, what things are working for them and what isn't. Is it getting old hearing every single day that he's unhappy with your mentorship? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gets a little old after a while, you know. Um, I can't imagine how he could possibly be happy with my mentorship. Um, what was he, what, what did he expect after all? Um, let's I share kid. the stream I out. He must be thrilled. Let's share the stream out while we chat. While we chat. I'm going to put... I don't know if you know where it is, but I've, I'm pasting the link into... Oh, yeah. No, that's awesome. Because I remember last couple of weeks, I was like going like, you know, it would be like, good. You it's know, it would be it's, like, it's a good idea is if we tweet some tweets and stuff like um, that. So there's a company that's done this before. And I was very impressed with them. Uh, they... I hope it's inconsequential. It has nothing to do with the fact that they gave away their entire business practices for free online. Um, they're no longer in business. But they, um, it's a company called Hawraf, H-A-W-R-A-F. They're a creative agency. Um, and they basically, when they shut up shop, they data dumped everything in their Google Drive that wasn't client facing. Mm-hmm. Um, they data dumped everything from like, the way that they came up with their mission and vision statement to like their core values. And it's just, it's insane. Um, and I've learned so much from seeing that sort of internal facing, you know, you get this point in time snapshot of the things that worked and didn't work for a creative agency that was mm-hmm. at the top of their game um, mm-hmm. and created one of the most pivotal, like a, a pivotal brand in my, uh, in my opinion, a company called Entire World, which is doing really crazy things. Um, but yeah, they just like straight up dumped everything that they had on their Google Drive public. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a G Drive that's just public. Anybody can go see it. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like more 
companies, especially services organizations like a creative agency, could benefit from having a, you know, having a culture of openness, like extreme openness. Uh, we all would benefit from that. That's what open source is all about, right? That's that's interesting. A couple of things on that topic. Uh, um, well, I was thinking when you were talking about this, I, I was thinking of another company that did everything super open source, which was like a payments company. Hmm. I can't remember. I can't remember the name of it, but like they used GitHub publicly for everything that they did. Um, it was like balance or something like that. I don't know if you remember this uh, company, but I think they also went out of business, which was weird because I remember seeing them and going like, wow, that's they're uh, doing really interesting stuff. And I thought I thought doing really well. Um, if somebody knows that uh, name of that company, most probably in the comments. But and then the other thing um, on that topic, I was watching some Gary V videos recently. I love how I can discuss Gary V at any point now. It's he's automatically relevant. Yeah, it's relevant now because he was on stage. Uh, yeah, right. Um, but he was he was talking about how he gives out all. So as a as a digital agency, you know, as Vayner Vayner Media as a digital agency, they really gives out all of his you know what he calls his best stuff, all of his specific tactics. He talks specifically about a tactic that they're using for running Instagram ads and and for his own content and determining which. Um, thumbnail and title to use and and anyway so his point was that he gives out all of his um tactics all of his best tactics and stuff like that and that as a services it's kind of open source in a way i mean it's not code it's not on github but it's extreme being extremely transparent about how you do what you do what your secret sauce is and all that kind of stuff and uh so, so it's funny so i'm watching this video and it was on uh, AI, it was on the topic of AI. And they were talking about, you know, will AI eat up certain jobs and stuff like that? Right. And I'm watching it. I wasn't at all thinking about Imagine. and Because I was watching tons of different videos that were completely unrelated. And all of a sudden, I see him with the Imagine badge on. And I was like, oh, crap, you know? And then he goes on the stage. And then you ask him the question about AI. <laughs> and uh, it was just, it was this wild, like, collision of... It's a crazy, it was, that's crazy, right? And then that whole rest of his vlog was sort of about that. Yeah. Which yeah. did, you, I don't know if he had that because I haven't seen that video in, in uh, a couple hours. I watch it every few hours just to keep myself humble. Um, <laughs> um, no, actually, I, I haven't seen it since he actually published that one. But his answer on stage starts out in a very unsatisfactory way. He's like, I don't like to talk about things I don't know about. Right. Yeah. And then yeah, 20 minutes that. later, he's still talking about it, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. 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 I, I remember not. Yeah. I remember not being particularly interested in it at the time, but then in the context of the video, um, you know, and the, and the title of the video was something along the lines of like, AI is going to cut out, you know, all of the sub average, below average people, below yeah. average humans or something, which is a very, provocative title and um you know what was really interesting is i heard this um it's another podcast i listen to sometimes called culturally relevant uh and it's hosted by a guy named david chen who does a bunch of movie podcasts um he had said something really interesting about the the sort of the prevalence of like this idea of it was he was actually talking about the matrix because you know they're rebooting the matrix 
Um, so like really? Matrix. They're doing another movie. Yeah, they're doing Matrix Four with Keanu Reeves cool. and and uh, Carrie Ann Moss, which is going to be that's right. insane. That's By the way, if you're getting your movie news from Mage Talk, it's a really sad state of affairs. Probably need some help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so he was talking about you know the way that they do the AI sort of uh, story in the world of the Matrix is the machines are like anthropomorphized. It's like you know they have feelings and they learn to love over the trilogy and like they you know there's a virus and then they come to some sort of like a ceasefire because everybody has this like shared like the agent smith virus is a threat to both humans and machines so you know they they find some common ground and i, I think that like but that's not actually how ai would literally destroy the world it's like the way it will destroy the world eventually is someone creates an AI to make paper clips, and then at all costs, with no other inputs or parameters and no understanding of humanity or morality, uh, it proceeds to make paper clips ad infinitum until the whole world is destroyed. Like it co-ops <laughs> nuclear power plants to power making more paper clips. And, you know, humans are liquefied and used as power sources to make paper clips. That's how AI will eventually actually destroy the world. Yeah, that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting take on the topic. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> I think Elon Musk's thing with this is, uh, is brilliant. I, and, you know, with the Neuralink, which is essentially his thing is, listen, we're not going to, we're not going to stop AI from, from progressing, right? It's just, it's the, that's out of Pandora's box. There's too many countries, governments, powerful entities yeah. that, uh, have an interest in developing it. It's it's going to have even if the United States said we're never going to do it, China, everybody else would. Do everybody it. else is going to do it anyway. It's it'll be it's it's, it's the inevitable. Next nuclear. Yeah, it, exactly. So then his thing as well. So the neural link is going to connect our brains right up to the right up to yeah. uh, you know, have extremely high bandwidth connection to computer interfaces, so that it's, right. we can just hook our brains right up to. Um, all of the, these AIs, right? So that then we'll essentially be able to compete with them by hooking it right into our brains, which... I mean, seems right like now, if you think Magecart is bad having it on your website, <laughs> wait till they're Magecarting you in your brain. Yeah, segue of the year right there. You like that? Magecart off of your brain. If you've got yeah. Magecart on the brain... Do we have a recommendation for you? So this is going to be amazing. It's like you have to open your wallet, but you're like, I can't really look because I'm, I'm my 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 eyes were mage carded last week. <laughs> it just happened, you know. I can't. I've got I can't get another. Right I can't now. have another ding on my social score, or else I won't be able to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, I've got somebody in there. They're actually working on it right now. They're working on me, but uh, they said they're not. They put my brain in read-only mode. Who are you? <laughs> it's That's crazy. So it's nuts. But uh, but I mean, he some he has the simple like these solutions that from first principles they make so much sense. I mean, there's like. It's, it makes all the sense in the world, but then you go, but that's impossible. How are you going to build a brain interface to the internet? And then he's like, well, you know, here's how we'll do it. And, and before you know it, they have a demo. Before you know it, they're rolling them out. Before you know it, there's a friendly local uh, Neuralink sales guy calling you on the phone. I cannot wait. This is the, <laughs> I can't wait uh, 
till that's commoditized. You know, at some point, you everything starts this way. By the way, everything starts with this incredibly complex, like you know, the Apple II computer is the thing that democratizes computers to be personal computers that can be in the home. And now, like computers are in the cloud. It's like eventually you'll have crappy five dollar an hour outsourced, you know, brain integrators that do really bad jobs. And people will be walking around glitching out like every now and then because like be like, look at this guy. What does this guy use a ten dollar integrator on Upwork to get his gosh. integration done? He's up. This guy. Look at this guy. Yeah, it's it's uh yeah. God. It's 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 gonna glitching. Be, it's gonna be yeah. That's this run. is that's where every, you know that's where it's heading though. That's, Sometimes I think about my kids and I'm like, you know, we want to prepare them for the world and you know all this kind of stuff, whatever. And then I'm like, man, we have no idea what kind of world they're gonna live in when they're no. twenty. Little we have no idea. Forty, like. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a whole different thing. Speaking of which. Yeah. Um, sorry. Go ahead. That's say. it. No, I was agreeing with you. Yeah. So anyway, uh, if you're going to be at, uh, <laughs> no, I saw this, I saw this, uh, <laughs> I saw a tweet uh, from my good friend, uh, Tom Robert Shaw, who's going to be speaking at Meet Magento New York, which is, uh, what is September 5th and 6th? It's uh, 5th and 6th, <laughs> which is next week. And uh, Tom always does a great job of, uh, of giving talks. I think that'll be a good one. He's going to be speaking on uh, MageCart, protecting your customers from uh, MageCart attacks. So uh, you are going to want to check that one out. Um, do, you, do you think in that presentation somewhere is a bullet that says, you know... Here, here's a list of platforms that don't get mage carded. <laughs> it's entirely possible. <laughs> just, yeah. I didn't say that. I, I was asking a question about Tom's presentation. I just want everybody to be clear <laughs> that I said nothing of the sort. I'm, I'm going to read this note from the doc because it's hilarious, which says, PJ, hot take. Can't be mage carded if you're not on mage. <laughs> That that is in the doc, actually. You're right. That's true. I have to keep doing this garbage because my thing isn't focusing on my face, which is probably a good thing, actually. Yeah. Um, um it's true though. Agreed. Um, isn't it isn't it true? It is true. Y- yes, it is true. And I, I have a theory that I, I was looking back through my my old um old Google Docs. I'm like organizing stuff for the first time ever in Google Docs. There's thousands of docs. Yeah. Yeah. No, you run across like a 19 year old like list and you're like, oh, wow, I did a couple of those things. Look at this budget that I was so optimistic I would keep up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you find your spreadsheet. Oh, your twenty-nine-year-old Philip thinks he's only going to spend three hundred dollars a year on Starbucks. That's so cute. So that's adorable. That's, that's adorable. So adorable. <laughs> what a little uh, cute little guy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I had this. Uh, I had this thought uh, five or six years ago, which actually is the thing that started Future Commerce, where I started giving this talk called The Shopping Cart is Dead, which you might have oh, yeah. mm-hmm. heard me rant about at some point. Um, yeah. It's funny because it, it, it actually... I believe The Shopping Cart is dead, but not in the way that we think of it. The Shopping Cart as a platform, I think, is dead. 
um, having extensible software that can manage catalog and payments and logistics and inventory is not dead. But a shopping cart, like what we think of as a shopping cart, has mm-hmm. been is effectively like a commoditized SaaS cloud piece of software that mm-hmm. anybody can just go click two buttons and get. And so in essence, shopping cart software is dead. Um, now the stuff that we do now is actually work on platforms. And platforms like Magento allow you to build things that are really, really compelling and have a lot of possibility to be disruptive in the world. Um, one thing I, I just put a video on LinkedIn about... Sorry, I'm taking a big segue here. Um, Please, by all means. A lot of the, a lot of the venture money that you see right now in retail are in, in marketplaces. So you see uh, Forerunner has money in stadium goods, right? Um, and you see uh, GGV has money in uh, ThreadUp or, or Poshmark or something like that. And these are all like resale marketplaces for luxury goods. And those things could never be built on a Shopify. Right, they are built on platforms like Magento, or they are custom code. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. so what we have in our ecosystem now is an incredible opportunity for us to be able to leverage the power of an open platform to build products that would be disruptive in nature that have retail component, like they have retail components, but you're not necessarily using whatever it is out of the box to just slap up a store. Right, mm-hmm. which is what I think people equate a shopping cart to. So even our, like yours and my definition of what Magento does has to evolve to what the the broader like need in the ecosystem is, which is flexible software that can do all of the things that we need, like catalog, inventory, logistics, and checkout and payments, right? Yeah. Um, Funny you mentioned that because just today I was reviewing new jobs that uh, were created on Commerce Hero, and one of them was a marketplaces, um, marketplaces site. So, yeah, I think you're right. And I mean, the, the the use cases for Magento have been and are continuing to change. Right, like we were talking about how for a simple direct to consumer site, uh, you're you're not using Magento right now, um, most most likely. And um, but it's these use cases, marketplaces. Um, you know things that have more custom requirements, things that wouldn't make sense to do on SaaS. These are the these are these cases that are going to make a lot of sense. And you know, marketplaces are are powerful. Um, yeah, and there there's a huge barrier to um, entry to get them up. Um, but you know, those are but they're definitely powerful. Well, and 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 you know, not for nothing, they have the they have the ability to. They have the ability on their own to be disruptive because they can be incredibly like they can be incredibly focused on just selling one sort of category mm-hmm. where a retailer might be tempted to go very broad on category. Like mm-hmm. I don't just do bed sheets, I do bed sheets and housewares and decor decor, and I do flatware and dinnerware and glassware and rugs and floor covering, it's just like all of a sudden it's kind of spun out of control. Um, and so a marketplace is like, you know, you could have a 5 billion tables um, all sourced by different vendors. And it creates like this really interesting economic opportunity for other people to take part in retail 
and have like, and out of that might come community and some other, like, those are the things that I think venture sees, venture money is seeing a lot of um, promise in, and that's where they're making investments. Uh, let me make two other, um, two other little side journeys here. One is there's also a downside here because marketplaces are complex and Magento itself doesn't necessarily just do that out of the box. And so you need really, really, really talented people to be able to pull it off. And even then, you're probably not hosting it in Magento Cloud, right? So you're probably, it's probably back to on-prem in some way. And Why are you not hosting in on Magento Cloud? Because Magento Cloud, so this might be a little controversial depending on who you talk to, <clears throat> Magento Sales, uh, who I love. And I have a great relationship with a lot of folks in that channel. But uh, you cannot co-locate software next to your Magento infrastructure at Magento Cloud. So the only thing that could be hosted in the Magento Magento software. And part of what might make you different in building a marketplace might be that you need to put that software physically next to something else. Um, Whether it's a content management platform, like there's ways to get around it, but it might not be worth it at the end of the day to invest. So let's say you go on-prem. Now you have all of these, you do have these challenges of Magecart. And you look at companies that have done this, that have tremendous amounts of money in it, like StockX. Okay, StockX just got hacked. 6 million customer records exposed. They're not on Magento, but they're on a custom platform. StockX had $150 million invested into it. And if they can't keep customer data safe, then what hope do the rest of us have? Right? And so it's it's not even about the... Like people are so motivated now and, and it's so hard to keep yourself protected. Once you gain critical mass in an audience, like you have a bullseye painted on you. Mm-hmm. And I think that even if you have tremendous amounts of money, you can still fall down and let your customers down and mm-hmm. StockX will pay the price. Um, and that's, you know, that's a scary thing. Um, and then the other side of that is... Um, Magento just was rated or Adobe parenthesis, Magento, uh, was just rated as a top uh, tier platform in the new uh, Gartner Magic Quadrant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was uh, that came out yesterday. And uh, there was this fascinating article, which Jordan, you'll need to link up in the, in the show notes. Um, fascinating article uh, from the Commerce Tools CPO, Chief Product Officer, uh, mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. And he was talking about how they invented headless, right? And that LinkedIn did. No, sorry. How how Commerce Tools invented headless e-commerce? Okay. Mm-hmm. That they were API first, they were e-commerce first, and that this Magic Quadrant, this thirteen platforms that were rated in the Gartner Magic Quadrant just now last week was the first Magic Quadrant that used API as part of the qualifiers for a for a top tier platform. Mm, and gotcha. it allows new contenders like commerce tools to rise above others like uh-huh. the IBMs of the world that have fallen off. Um, Kibo fell off. Uh, a number of different platforms that you might recognize their names have fallen off the list now. And they fell off the list because the game is changing. And I think that if, if you take at least now commerce tools is going to tell you that they do it best because they're the ones talking. Um, 
uh, or the, you know, uh, and also they, they have this, like this grid of the, <laughs> of what Magento is good for and like what all the platforms are good for. And they say SMB and I'm like, you're out of your mind. The um, famous but, comparison grid. Yeah. It's, it's not embarrassing. Grid. But long story short, like the magic quadrant is just one way of measuring aptitude and commerce tools, you know, is able to place on that, on that, uh, on that report for the first time due to a change in the qualifications of what makes a successful e-commerce platform. Mm-hmm. Take that out five, 10 years and like Magento has to get a boogie on. Um, PWA has to finish. Like we have to have a fully featured PWA um, set of APIs. We have to have a fully featured... Like it needs to be fully realized for Magento to stay competitive or else they're not going to be on that list. In five or... Or you go the other direction, which is instead of them worrying about the PWA front end side of it, they double down on just the API coverage, which I imagine is what Commerce Tools is. is Correct. That, right. API, right. And let yeah. the let the front end community worry about its front end stack. Get that a you know get a boogie on that API coverage. That'd be that'd be the other tack to take there. And I know it's it, how how long have we we've been talking about. API only e-commerce for so long. Um, I'm pretty sure that four or five years ago we were talking about this when we first started the show. Nah, maybe not when we first started. <laughs> maybe a couple weeks in. <laughs> a couple weeks in. A couple weeks in. Let's face it, Magento can be a beast to run in the cloud. And that's why Stratus by MageMojo is hosting Evolved. Say goodbye to dedicated DevOps teams and complex cloud architecture. With Stratus, you get a rock-solid architecture that's built on Amazon AWS and true cloud auto scale. Never worry about capacity planning ever again with the full power of AWS that's behind your site. Backed by Magento Cloud Architecture Geniuses at MageMojo on technologies like ECS, Kubernetes, Aurora, and also a 15-minute SLA that's the fastest in the entire industry, you can be sure that your site is in good hands with Stratus. Give it a try today, and we know you won't be disappointed. Head over to magemojo.com slash magetalk and get started. That's M-A-G-E-M-O-J-O dot com slash magetalk. Thanks again to Mage Mojo for the continued support of Mage Talk. Mage Talk is brought to you by Vertex. Vertex is a Magento premier partner, providing cloud and on-premise solutions that can be tailored to specific industries for every major line of tax, including sales and use, income, value added, and payroll. Vertex Cloud is the SaaS solution that automates sales and use tax, including calculation and returns. With multiple service levels and flexible pricing models, Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes, from recognizable brands like Honda, Pepsi, and Verizon to small businesses the world over. Find out more today at vertexsmb.com and be sure to mention Mage Talk to get 15 months for the price of 12. Once again, that's vertexsmb.com. I forget some of the ones that were really popular at the time. Uh, if you're in the chat, pop it in there. Uh, there were some... I know Lizards and Pumpkins was trying to do something similar by utilizing Magento's APIs to drive a separate experience that wasn't like rendered by Magento. Um, I, I, I sort of feel bad 
in retrospect, like looking back at like, you know, those folks are definitely trend spotters and people who understood where in where the ecosystem was going. They just were there so early, right? Like, um, oh, who's the guy that's really into Bitcoin now? That's part of the PHP community. Um, Luke, something or other. Um, Not sure. Yeah, uh, he had a, a company that was like API only uh, e-commerce that was like SaaS driven ages ago. Um, and uh, like, I, it's anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, it's, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. It's something that is being, I was just looking through the meme agenda, New York agenda, and there's a lot of discussion around, uh, things related to this related to headless. So there's going to be a talk on, you know, integrating with, uh, the different product offerings, Amazon sales channel, Google shopping has all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's, um, uh, I think there's, oh, you know what was interesting here? Uh, we talked a little bit about artificial intelligence earlier, but they're going to have a talk um, on, uh, you know, Adobe Sensei, and uh, which is the AI, Adobe's AI product. And they're going to talk about, you know, how that integrates on a, on a business level. Um, we should get somebody from, uh, from that product on the show because that's, um, that's super interesting. That's a super, super interesting topic. Um, we're planning to get actually John Baxendale. Uh, we're just working out some details on the show yeah. to talk about order management. Obviously, also very relevant um, to this discussion. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's true, man. We, this is something that we've been talking about for a long time, and and uh, yeah, yep, making yep, progress. Yep. Oh, uh, Joseph, uh, thank you. Joseph is like the man right now in the chat. Thank you. Oh, J- Jamie Huskison's also there. Hey, what's up, Jamie? Um, Joe had said Luke Stokes was the name I was looking for from Foxy. Foxy. I think at this point, I think Joseph just got promoted to our honorary uh, assistant producer at this point. I mean, more than just. I need to hold on. I'm going to get something to W with Joe. One second. Joe is now an assistant producer on the show. So I'm going to W with the, um, with this Magento neon here. I now W assistant producer. Of the show and all of the rights and privileges therein, uh, thereof, at least until the end of this hour. Um. Yeah. No. So. Um. Anyways. Um. I'm just browsing through the topics on at, uh, for me. Very compelling. Very compelling. <laughs> There's some cool topics, actually. Um, uh, is there a uh, is there a coupon code or some sort of a discount that we can give out for Meet Magenta New York? Unfortunately, we are not uh, we have not received any coupon codes this year. So, um, you know, it's a, sad, it's a sad day in Mage Talks history uh, that we that we no longer have coupon codes. Um, That's funny. Yeah. Can so, I? Can Can we pull something in from the rumor mill and then we'll get to actual content? Oh yeah. Um, you'll have heard it here first. Uh, for all three people that are watching live, um, I'm hearing via the grapevine uh, from sources who wish not to be named about a restructure of Magento and Marketo within Adobe. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure if there will be some sort of a press release or if this is just something that we'll find out at like MLEU. Um, but it looks like the former Marketo CMO, Sarah Kennedy Ellis, 
who will now head up the marketing efforts behind Magento as a product. Uh, and she is super interesting. Um, uh, we'll go into that in a second. Um, <clears throat> but Magento is actually further separating its commercial sales practice from its enterprise sales practice. So it looks like Magento Enterprise, like what they consider to be enterprise, which I think is very broad. I think it's like a billion revenue and up um, is being further uh, absorbed by Adobe. And Gary Spector, who we all saw at Imagine, um, is going to take over the uh, commercial sales for both Magento and Marketo. Um, so all of that mid market, you know, enterprise sales. Mid market, yum. Um, it's just the chime. Yeah, I like that. So, uh, uh, so someone that we'll probably be seeing a lot more of in this ecosystem is the former CMO uh, of Marketo, Sarah Kennedy Ellis, who That's... I met in passing um, about a year ago. Um, and uh, if you're not connected with her on LinkedIn or, or elsewhere on the uh, internet, you should probably be um, very, very... I have a pending request. Connection request. So do I. There's that. If you're not connected, you're in good, uh, you're in good company because neither are Kayla nor I. Yeah. So that's really neat. So Magento and Marketo uh, sales, uh, um, sales teams are being rolled up under... Gary Spector. So, yep. okay. Which I think is an interesting development. And I think it tracks along with what we were talking about last week or two weeks ago with Magento being given more latitude or given more responsibility amongst its peers in the Adobe ecosystem. Because right. Magento must be doing something right from a sales volume perspective to take ownership of sales of another product in the ecosystem, mm -hmm. right? Right, right. Because right. it wasn't like the, yeah, I mean, so could have been flipped, could have been somebody in the Marketo community could have been taken over. Totally. Um, and you know what's really awesome. interesting about this is that Marketo is, was acquired for multiples more than Magento. Okay. Right? Marketo went for $4 billion or above um, where Magento was acquired for one68 and I, I'm very interested to see... Like, it makes me wonder what the impact of things like Magecart and negative press around Magento might have had on the valuation of Magento in Adobe's ecosystem. Because if Magento's differentiators are things like Adobe Open Source rolling up under Magento and Marketo sales rolling up under Magento, why would you give that to... Why would you give that to a... You know, fundamentally less valuable part of the asset like right. acquisition of 2018. Right, right, right. That makes sense. No, I mean, it must, uh, God, it must have had a massive impact. I mean, if you, if you think about, if you think about it, I mean, cause those are some extremely high profile breaches. Yep. And, uh, you know, to those of us inside the community that kind of understand Especially, particularly inside the developer community, they kind of understand some of the ins and outs. And we go, yeah, well, we sort of understand. Maybe they were on bad hosting, yada, yada, yada. But to the outside observer and to the market, um, those must have been pretty devastating yeah. to the valuation. Speaking of bad hosting, if you're, if you're looking for 
uh, bad hosting. Look no further uh, than anyone but Mage Mojo. Ooh, you turned that one around nicely. You like I was, how I did that? I was like, wow. Where's that? Uh, Mage Where Mojo has going? a product called uh, Mojo Stratus, which is uh, entering into V3 and uh, apparently is three versions better than its predecessors, at least. Um, but it is Magento cloud hosting evolved for Magento uh, 1 and 2 for commerce and for open source. And uh, they have a 15-minute SLA. And I was just talking to somebody today who is uh, a member uh, of the local Magento community, the broader community, but not necessarily uh, a community, uh, uh, a longtime community member. They're just coming into this whole world of Magento. They've been on Mage Mojo for all of six months. They only know Mage Mojo or Mojo Stratus as their the cloud product. Very happy with it, and they could not believe they're flabbergasted, dumbfounded, even that the 15 minute SLA is an actual real, real thing. Um, and l- they love them some some Mojo. So if you want you some Mojo too, go to magemojo.com slash mage talk dot com. Um. You know, uh, actually, on the topic of hosting, um, this is interesting because I put out some tweets um, asking people about you know where they do their hosting, and God, I believe some- if it's in the past, it's not a tweet; it's a twat. Ooh, the past. Uh, I stand, I stand corrected. I twath. Uh, um, that was for Jamie. So yeah, okay. <laughs> but but. Um, but yeah, so man, people, I got a lot of responses on those tweets, man. People on hosting, lot, hosting options, yes, modern hosting, hosting options. options for Magento. Yes, got a lot of uh, responses. A lot of people have very strong opinions about their hosting. And let me ask you this this is the question of the day, okay? Because um, there's a number of Magento specialized hosts like Mage Mojo um, and others who and shall then, not be named. Others who shall not be named, and um, they uh, and then you've got people. A lot of people that host on AWS themselves. And when I say host themselves, what I mean is they're not going through some other management layer on top of AWS, which is essentially what Mojo Stratus is. They're not. They're just. They're doing it themselves, right? You could maybe they're call going them. in. They're setting up the VPCs. Yeah, and the EC2s, they're and clicking the, the buttons. Users, they're clicking right. the buttons and and dealing with anything that might come up with uh, Aurora or you know the database servers, whatever, any kind of wild stuff. So, um, and then uh, and they're also dealing with support, right? So if if whether as an agency or merchant side um, developer, tech manager, if you're sort of owning. The owning AWS and not going through another service provider, you're kind of having to deal with support. So we were going back and forth on, you know, is that a good, like, is it a good idea? Because I was, I was honestly surprised by how many people said they host directly on AWS themselves. I tend to be more of the mindset of like go through a man and uh, go through um, a specialized host. And obviously, we're a little biased because Mage Mojo is a sponsor, but I, I've always felt that way even beforehand. Like, um, and so when I was at Clean, you know, we used Sanasi as, as a specialized host, you know, the last merchant. Right, there. right. And so I've always been to that mindset. A lot of people are of that mindset, but um, 
But what do you think? Like, like uh, a lot of a lot of clients are like, "Hey, put us on. Let's let's go on AWS, right?" Like, people, a lot of people feel very comfortable being on AWS because they know it's kind of the gold standard, and your mileage can vary on on AWS, right? Like, are you in multiple um, region? Are you load balanced in multiple regions? Are you, you know, like there's a bajillion ways to configure AWS. So, and there's a jillion um, ways to configure it poorly. <laughs> Right, right. So, like, do you think it's a good idea? Like, being as being objective about it, um, do you think it's a good idea for people to be hosting on AWS themselves? No, it's a terrible idea. It's a bad idea. That's it. I thought you were going to give like a very nuanced, non-answer, but you just you just nailed that. You just yeah, I I I. Because I would have thought you guys would have a good number of clients that were on AWS and things like we that. Have, we have some that are on AWS, but we, we require... Because think about the role of a systems integrator, right? Our role is to be specialist in making the platform you know, work for the end user and the customer. And, and along the way, there are certain things that are required. Like you, you have to have an infrastructure to, to launch it into... But for us to do right by our customer, we would have to be experts in all things AWS and retain talent and have certifications and security personnel that are dedicated just to doing that. And that would take away... We would probably be an expensive resource for that. Um, and we would probably... It would take away from our ability to, you know, to hire and retain roles that we need to grow the other side of the business, which is actually like project execution. Um, so we do have, while we have DevOps folks in house, they're not AWS masters. They're generalists on us delivering. There's more internal facing. It's like us delivering solutions for our clients, um, and that's just purely from my experience as something digital. Uh, I'm sure someone else at something digital might have more to say about that. So we, any AWS work that we do, we will inform, but we always use a managed layer, ho- like managed layer um, service provider, uh, like a rack space that can do AWS managed services so okay. that they can set up and deploy, you know, the DevOps layers for us to do Terraform or whatever it is, I don't, you know, uh, for mm-hmm. us to if we're doing containers, they like they set those things up and they maintain them. They make sure that the auto scaling is set appropriately. They are the mm-hmm. ones who are managing the billing. Because by the way, that's the other thing about AWS is you kind of have to be an expert at at setting up and gaming. Each. You gotta have an, a billing guy. You gotta have a billing you gotta guy. Have an AWS billing guy. And it's like, just... who wants to? I don't know. Like, if that's all you do, then you then and and you're a SaaS company. And you know your volume of customers is growing, and you need to sort of contain your costs and hosting. Then you should have somebody that thinks about that intently. If you if you're a professional services agency like us, and that's not 100% of your focus, I think it's really hard to be, you know, unless every single customer was required to be on an infrastructure that we manage and sort of control at AWS. It gets a little it gets a little dicey. Um, yeah. That's interesting. So you guys, you guys hold a hard line that they have to go through a managed service, <coughs> unless I'd imagine they have a big in-house. <coughs> excuse me, unless they have a big in-house uh, infrastructure team or whatever. And yep, fully comfortable with it. Correct. <coughs> and I know that might be like for some. Some might hear that and sort of scoff or like, 
you know, say that they have a, you know, that's probably uh, a hard requirement to level against uh, uh, a, you know, a customer. But we're, what we never want to do is like, I, I never want to pretend that I know everything about everything. Uh, yeah. And then something happened. To do right by our customers, we have to be 100% honest with them. What's like, while we can set things up and, be, and get things functional in AWS, we, it's hard for us to take responsibility for your billing, your costs, your security. Your, there's just too many factors there, and we're not experts in that. You know, that's yeah. just not what we are. Um, yeah. Um, but by the way, uh, Jamie Huskison in, in the chat saying that Akuva featured heavily in your hosting thread. Yeah, so Akuva got mentioned a couple of times. I believe they uh, are also a cloud. Jamie will correct us, but I believe they're also yeah, they're a Magento uh, like cloud, a management layer on top of uh, uh, AWS. Um, yeah, I see they're in the uh, uh, AWS Partner Network. Um, so yeah, they're another they're another sort of cloud layer. Um, and just briefly, I'll go through some of the others. Nexus actually got some some good good shout outs. Um, and uh, just to be objective here and unbiased, uh, despite our wonderful sponsors, a lot of people mentioned AWS. Of course, Telesh had to had to come in and be uh, funny and mention Azure. Although maybe he wasn't being funny. Maybe he really does. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, a good number of clients of ours are choosing Azure these days. Yeah, nice. That's cool. Why are they choosing it? Any well, uh, because a lot of the clients are skewing up market, and a lot of them have physical, like they have infrastructure already in some way okay. or another at Azure, and so they're. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. I also know that they give some pretty cool incentives. Um, I remember at the last uh, co-working space I was at, there was somebody gave a talk, and they do some. Uh, Azure was giving out some really cool incentives to like startups where they. Oh, they speaking some kind of, of which, can I can I rep something that I'm very excited about? Yeah, uh, let me just finish just for completeness. Go ahead. And, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so there's Sanasi. Actually, actually, DigitalOcean got a couple of shout outs running Kubernetes. You like you? You're a fan of Dio. Yes, and so I, I, I it's uh, that was that was cool that uh, Dio got some love. I always you know how, how did Her, how did Heroku do? On you this know, list? Heroku didn't no mentions, no mentions. Uh, Joint, Joint was on the list. Yeah, Joint was on the list. Um, Hypernode, which is Byte, uh, Byte out in Netherlands. Uh, Max Cluster is uh, Simon Sprinkle out in Germany. Long Never time heard of that one. Community member uh, did a, has has a blog post where he just mentions his experience with all the hosts and and those. Oh, guys that's sick! Yeah, do a good job. Sanasi got a number of shout outs. WebScale, and I think that about covers it. So, a um, one person. Uh, I've fast. got a friend of mine, Robert Rand, <laughs> um, who. Uh, is part of Jet Rails down here in uh, in the local Magento Meetup, uh, South Florida local Magento Meetup community. Um, right. I'm not sure how Jet Rails did in the poll, but uh, I'd like to just as a matter of course because he's he's an awesome guy, and I have a you know a multi year relationship with him, and he's been a big supporter of the podcast for a while, and uh, a big supporter of the local meetup for a long while too. Um, so Jet Rails should get some love. Yeah, I chatted with him in New York. Actually, he was telling me about what they're doing, and that they're doing really well. Um, so yeah. Anyway, sorry. So you can you can continue with. Oh, there's no sorry. I was interrupting you. Um, there is no sorry, sir. 
There's no crying in baseball. (laughs) Um, Oh gosh. Okay. So future commerce. uh, Do we have a hard stop by the way in four minutes? Oh, uh, I've got a soft stop. Okay. All right. Do you have a hard stop? No, no, no. I just wanted to get to this graph. Remember the graph? Oh yeah. We'll get to the graph. We'll get to the graph. Uh, Future commerce. We, uh, we've been, uh, thinking for a long time, especially as I've started to write incendiary blog posts about companies like Victoria's Secret who are polluting the earth and polluting our children's minds. That's a whole other story. Um, but uh, as I I'm very so, interested. <laughs> as I write blog posts like that, I, I'm sort of challenged internally uh, at, at Future Commerce as a startup, what we are going to do to, um, to affirm our commitment to sustainable business practices. So we had... Uh, put out a press release last week that we, you know, we have created our own sustainability initiative internally, but also holding our partners accountable for being sustainable uh, businesses and having um, a, so a corporate responsibility um, statement uh, and and working with them to uh, to hold them accountable and they can hold us accountable as well. Uh, part of that part of that discussion around partnerships was. Uh, we discovered that Google Cloud, uh, which was not mentioned, I don't think, in your poll. Um, the only mention it got was Brent Peterson saying, why didn't anybody mention Google Cloud? <laughs> <laughs> Google Cloud platform, interestingly enough, is ISO 5001 certified. It's the only cloud provider that's ISO 5001 certified for having uh, running their data centers and all of them on 100% renewable energy. Wild. And, uh, and so for that reason, we ha- have committed uh, to move all of our infrastructure, uh, which is not much right now, uh, but we're moving all of our infrastructure and choosing partners based on who is uh, doing work at Google Cloud because we believe in the work they're doing. Um, so we're, we're relocating a lot of our stuff over to platforms that utilize Google, Google Cloud where where appropriate and um, and when we can choose hosting or software that we you know that we locate in a hosting environment um, such as the media platform we're building right now um, it will be located at Google Cloud platform so that's cool that's cool hats off hats off to you uh, okay now, do this thing. Now, isn't, now isn't Google also deleting the accounts of Chinese protesters and stuff like that. Are we gonna Are we gonna go down a rabbit hole? No, we're not gonna go. Yeah, down. you know what? Like, uh, that's cool. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's great. You're a regular do gooder. Um, no, I was checking out some of the Hong Kong stuff. It's wild, man. There, have you seen? Oh, it's that's that is a whole other. That is wild. That's, that's a whole. That other stuff is wild. Like, um, there's like these gigantic poles with like with like video cameras that they use for for face detection surveillance, and there's people like ripping them down. Yeah, stuff. but they they did you see that they've it's been putting crazy. the like laser pointers on pairs of glasses to to sh- like. Blow out the oh, facial recognition software. That's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's wild. It's crazy town. Uh, crazy things happen in the world. Um, so I just real quick got to touch on this this graph that we talked about. But there was this a post Web by thing. Web Smith, who I guess you know indirectly or something like that. Yeah, um, something like that. Who I just saw the tweet. Somebody retweeted it, and it's America's second most prevalent form of wealth creation behind home ownership is starting a business. 
note this decline in startups. And there's a graph which is essentially going down from 1979 to 2014, which is uh, startups as a share of all businesses. And it goes from like 14% down to 8%. So essentially, it's saying that startups are in decline. And I just, I don't, I don't believe that. I can't see how that is at all possible with, um, I mean, certainly I can see how, you know, brick and mortar uh, businesses uh, retail, right? Just are probably are in decline, right? Oh, but like, but like, uh, but like, you know, like if somebody wanted to start a pizza shop or something like that, yeah, I could see how in 1979 that, that was maybe more popular than it is now. But these days, Every single person on the internet has some sort of a side business, right? You've got three. I've got <laughs> well myself, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Every like every uh, every mom has like a couple of side hustles. They're selling stuff on Instagram. My my wife's is, is starting a business. <laughs> like she's gonna she's gonna be doing so. It's it's hard for me to imagine that startups are actually in decline. And I mean, in the Magento community, there's a ton of freelancers. We've talked about people that are going out on their own, starting new agencies um, as their freelance careers are picking up. I can't, I just, you ever look at a graph and you're like, I'm not a scientist, but I don't believe this graph. <laughs> so that was, that was my impression. I mean, do you, do you think it's at all possible that people starting new businesses are, is in decline? I'm, if I had to just wonder aloud how you would wind up with a graph like that, it must take into account the fact that in 1979, when people needed a little extra money, they might start something on the side and sell a product or a service or do some sort of like, I'm, I'm going to go mow people's lawns. I'm going to go sell you know, encyclopedias door to door. They might have had one avenue to start a business where in 2019... They have to install an Uber app and they're in business. Like that's if that's not considered a startup, then I think then you will have this this thing that looks like attrition. But entrepreneurship in the United States in 2019 can be assisted with, you know, with on-demand workforce apps that people don't necessarily have to go out and register with the state for corporations and file taxes as a corporation for them to be in business for themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. I almost wonder if this graph was only looking at like C corporations or some certain type of corporation. I could, I could see that. But if you're looking at every, everybody that's self-employed, I mean, anybody that does Airbnb, that's a, that's a business income. Anybody that does, like you said, Uber, like the, they're not, you know, those are all, that's all business income essentially. So uh, I, I'd have to imagine this chart is going in the other direction, but who knows? I mean, how that data was actually sliced, but yeah, I, I think it does tell one person's particular, you know, narrative of a story of, you know, a a a means of wealth creation, wealth creation, because I think yeah. that was the premise of the of the uh, the tweet. Yeah, right? the premise of the tweet was like, hey, you know. Um, America essentially, you know, America's means, Americans' means of wealth creation is in decline. And it's definitely true that, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, segments of, of, of the American economy that, of course, are in decline and, and things like that. But it's just hard for me to imagine that it's the startup. Start- it's a, but, but um, I mean, yes. Yeah, I think, I mean, it could be. 
Uh, also, just because something is, um, I don't, like, I don't know what's the scale of that graph. That's the other question that I would ask. Yeah. Is, is it in a priest? Like, if that's, you know, hundredths of percentages, then it's the scale is terrible. Like, well, it's from 14, 14% down to 8%, basically. Oh, so, okay. Oh, that's, that's appreciable. Drop. Yeah. And also, the, the startups as share of businesses is a strange framing uh, because how exactly is a startup defined? Um, versus I mean, that, okay. I mean, that, that right there, you, that right there would skew it because as a percentage of business, yeah, right. If you have, you know, one outlier year where you have, you know, lots and lots and lots and lots of startups, then every other year there, there on would be skewed as a lower percentage of startups because they're considered pre-existing businesses. Right. Maybe, maybe. I, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I never know what the definition of a startup is, right? Like you could have a business that's, you know, in, in, in the internet years, a business that's like five years old is like a, you know, it's like an old, old timey business, you know, <laughs> like an established business, you know, versus like if you're a year, two years old. But, uh, but anyway, to bring it back to the Magento community, like we've talked about how we've seen, uh, our community grow up and mature. And a lot of us who started off, um, you know, as employees and maybe are still employees, like we've started businesses, like you've done that. Like I'm thinking about a lot of the people on this Twitter thread who have, who have started um, different types of businesses and think of Max Pronko, uh, Telesh as a mm-hmm. product he's launching. I mean, almost, almost everybody I can think of is, is starting something left and right. And so, um, you know, I think that that what we see in our community is a lot of a lot of people starting cool things and having success. So, um, yay, Magento community! <laughs> uh, I, I'd like to see that on uh, you know against a chart of um, like a, against a chart of sort of market share of Magento versus other e-commerce uh, platforms because I think that there's like. While the Magento market share might be in decline, the qual- like the percentage of people that cite that they're happy with Magento is probably on the rise because Magento isn't a good fit for everybody. And people being on Magento and being unhappy with it is actually really bad for the community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people being on Magento and being happy with it is what will help make us successful in the end. Um, because we need, think, we don't need brand detractors. We need yeah. brand evangelists, right? Do you think that we should broaden out? Uh, so uh, the power podcast is mage talk, right? It's specific to Magento. Um, do you think at some point we should broaden out and not just be Magento specific? I mean, because the entire community, everybody's broadening to different platforms. I mean, that's a lot of what you're talking about lately. Yeah. And it's almost, um, I don't know, it's almost a, uh, an, an outdated mindset to just be so platform specific. I think um, Gary Vaynerchuk, as you open the show, musing about Gary, uh, I think let's close the show with talking about what, I, if I may emulate him, I think Gary would say that that's the wrong direction. The right direction is more niche content. And 
find mm. a fanatical audience about a particular niche and just go hard in the niche. And you may not have broad appeal or even be able to um, have like... Uh, it's, it's not mass market in any way whatsoever, but the people that do connect with you are infinitely more valuable to you because... Those are people that are more qualified to buy the enterprise software that you know is sponsoring the show. There are people that are more likely to contact you when they need to look for a job. They're more likely to contact me when you know they need an integrator. Like yeah. the ancillary value of being incredibly narrow on what we talk about uh, is probably not. It doesn't lend itself to a broad audience, but the ones that do engage are highly valuable. But yeah. I'm just channeling Gary. You're giving very definitive answers, man. I could, I swear, back in the day, you would give like these very vague answers to everything, and with like non-answers, and you just like you just go hard in the paint now, man. On Sorry, every man. Question. Sorry. Beautiful. Sorry. I'll, I'm, I'll learn good. my lesson one day to be. No, more. now, now, no. That's because now that you're a hardcore retail influencer, man. You just <laughs> you just drop the gavel. You're like, I have my opinions. And I'm yeah. You know me, I'm like, bruh, bruh, bruh. that's what I do. Yeah. That's yeah. it. All right. That's all we got for you. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Be sure to give us a five-star review on every platform. All of them. We'll read them live and we'll make fun of you at the same time when you do. <laughs> and we will see you next week. And now I'm going to wait in silence while Philip closes out the thing. Mm-hmm.